Welcome to Beyond the Benediction. This podcast is created for the exploration of the Bible, the examination of the church, and the expectation of the Christian life. We will cover topics that will both challenge and encourage you and help us to live lives dedicated to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's your host, Kevin Toomer. This is Beyond the Benediction. Thank you for another podcast adventure with me make sure you go to my youtube page beyond the benediction podcast make sure you like share and subscribe if you're listening to me on one of the streaming apps thank you always for your support but show me some love on youtube check out my youtube page again like share subscribe so you can stay in the loop so we're gonna go right into this week's episode hopefully you heard last week's episode which was three things that christians need to unlearn. Hopefully that was something that blessed you, encouraged you, and maybe even enlightened you. There are some things that maybe you are not aware of as a Christian that you needed to unlearn because it's a work in progress for us as we know as Christians. But this week's episode, I want to do a little bit different. I want to do four things that Christians need to remember. Now, some of these things that we're going to talk about this week may be remedial. They may be things that you already know, but the title says things you need to remember. Because there are times as a Christian that when we're going through, we're serving the Lord, but we're under attack. We're under attack from the enemy. We're under attack from our own insecurities. We have failures and shortcomings and things don't always go our way. So we get discouraged. And sometimes we lose sight of who we are and whose we are. So every now and then, the Lord knows that we may need encouragement. We need to be reminded because the enemy is trying his best to make us forget just exactly who God is, and then in that nature, his relationship to us. He wants us to somehow think that we're worse off, that somehow, hey, I failed because I didn't do what God wanted me to do. Well, I fell short in this issue, or someone treated me unkindly, and I didn't see it coming. Again, it could be a myriad of reasons, just life in general, because we live in a fallen world with fallen people. So you and I are going to encounter some things that are not going to be pleasant, and Sometimes we get frustrated and it's nothing wrong with being frustrated as a Christian because we're human and God is not expecting us to be happy all the time because he knows that we're fickle. He knows that we have feelings and emotions and things that we go through that are going to be challenging. Life is challenging. Whether you're a Christian or not, life is challenging. And life is going to be genuine because we are being challenged. Of course, we have the enemy after us on our track. And then sometimes life just doesn't go the way we want it to. And we're going to always have obstacles and deterrents and detractors and, and traps in our way to keep us off track. And as we deviate in being distracted, we also deviate in our minds from remembering who it is we're serving and why we gave our life to God in the first place. And what the enemy tries to do, as crafty as he can be, is tries to get us to the point where we have an identity crisis. where We forget who we are. And we forget what God has said about us. So again, as I said in the beginning, that every now and then the Lord knows that we're going to have to be reminded of what he said about us, that we are special, that we are made in his image, that he does have plans for our lives, that he will succeed and his vision, the vision, his plan that he has for us will come to fruition. But we get distracted, we get fatigued, and we have a momentary lapse of memory. And being reminded of who God is. So this week's episode, I want to give us some encouragement. I want to really minister to us in this week's. And again, it may be something you've heard before, but as I said, you may need to hear it again. 
You may be in a particular place right now where in your walk and your service, you feel downtrodden. You feel like maybe somehow you think God has forgotten you. You feel like maybe, you know what, I'm, I'm doing all this work for the Lord. And I don't see any fruit. I don't see anything blossoming. I don't see any, any movement in my life. But this is one of those shows that hopefully you can have earmarked to go back to at another date. When you have those moments of doubt, when you have those moments of frustration and you feel like having that pity party, let this be the episode that's the party crasher <laughs> to help you to remind you again of who God is and the great things he has in store for those of us who love him and have been called by him. So that's this week's episode. Four things that Christians need to remember. The first thing that you as a Christian need to remember is that you are gifted. Now think about that word gifted. That's so powerful because it means a gift is not something that you already have. It's something that someone gave you. In the case of us as Christians, God has given all of us gifts. And sometimes we forget that because when we have a situation or a circumstance that didn't turn out how we liked it, wanted it to be, or we may be doing something where we failed at it. We feel sometimes, you know, well, maybe I'm not meant to be a minister. Maybe I'm not meant to evangelize. Maybe I'm not meant to do a Beyond the Benediction podcast. Maybe I'm not meant to spread the gospel. Well, we can't let failures change us from the fact that God's gift still remains in us. And God has given us gifts that go in line with the purpose he has for us. He gave us gifts to go in line with the plan he has for us. And that's good news. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that fact because our failures does not change the gift that we have. Sometimes, if we can be honest, sometimes we mishandle the gift. Sometimes we misuse the gift. Sometimes we're not even aware that we are gifted. And this is one of these points, the first one that we're talking about today, to remind us that God has given all of us gifts. Now, the question is, do you know where your gift is? And if you don't know, then it's incumbent upon you to, to seek someone to mature in the faith, to help you to grow, to discover your gifts. And then you can also tell, too, when you're operating in your gift, I found that two things usually are true when you're operating in your gift. One, it usually comes effortlessly because it's just to me, God's gift is like oozing through your DNA. You can't help but show it. You can't help but operate in it. It's just who you are. So if you are gifted in teaching, you, you, you're going to be teaching in everything you do. If you're gifted in evangelizing, you're gifted in, in mentoring, you're going to be mentoring to people in every step because it's just going to come out of you flawlessly and easily. That's the first thing. But then the second thing about your gift is people will recognize it. And the key is people will recognize it without you trying to tell people you're gifted. Because I know for me, you know, I, I believe that God has given me the gift, I would like to think, <laughs> of teaching. And people used to say that I had this gift before I even acknowledged it myself. So sometimes God, people can see God's gifting in you before you can even acknowledge it. But rest assured, every single Christian has at least one gift. We're all gifted in some area. Again, it's incumbent upon us to know what that gift is. But rest assured, God has not left any Christian empty handed. You have a gift directly from God. Let me give you a scripture for this point. First Peter chapter four, verse 10. One verse pretty much sums it up. 
It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Now, that's a very powerful scripture because, first of all, it lets us know God has a variety of gifts. And he's given all of us at least one gift. Some may have more, some may have less, but we all have at least one gift from his variety. So that's, the variety shows his brilliance. Not everyone is going to be a teacher. Not everyone's going to be an evangelist. Not everyone's not going to be a singer or a pastor, whatever those gifts may be. But we all have a gift that we can contribute to the kingdom of God. But it says on the, the second part of that scripture, which is even more important that we need to remember, that the gifts that we receive from God are to serve God and not ourselves. It's not to be us to be propped up so I can tell people Kevin is a great teacher or Susie's a great singer or Joe's a great administrator. It's to point to God's glory, but also the purpose of the gift is for God's glory and for other people's development. What good would it be for me to be a great teacher if I don't teach anyone? What good would it be for you to be a great singer if you sing in the shower and no one gets to hear you give praises to the Lord? But the key is we have to be careful because the enemy can use this sometimes to make you forget that God gave you that gift, that it's not yours. So sometimes we need to be reminded as Christians, we are gifted when we fail, but we're also gifted when we succeed. Meaning that you and I can't take credit for it. You and I can't say, wow, I'm such a great teacher. No, God gave me this gift to teach. Wow, I'm such a great preacher. No, God gave me this gift of preaching. But we have to be reminded and cognizant of the fact as Christians that when we have struggles and shortcomings, that does not change the fact that God still gifted you. His gift is not diminished by our mistakes. His gift remains just as potent, even though we have mistakes. Because how many times have you tried to do something and maybe it didn't go right the first time, but you tried it a second or a third or fourth time and it worked out better in the end? Could it be? That that failure in operating in your gift is to help you strengthen your gift. Because now you get to see, okay, you know what? Maybe I did this and I should have done that. Maybe I had this perspective and I need to change it. So even when we fail, don't lose sight of the fact that you're still gifted. Don't think that somehow you're disqualified from God for being used. Even if you made mistakes before you realize you were gifted, that doesn't change the fact that you're still gifted. Because God's gifts are always for his universal plan, for his glory, and to bring others to Christ. And if you're a Christian, you've been chosen, and that means you're gifted. The second thing as Christians we need to remember is that we, you more specifically, <laughs> are loved. Now, that's something that's always important because even when we recognize our gifting, Sometimes when we operate in the gifts, the gifts are not always received well. You're not always going to be welcomed with open arms when you're telling people about Jesus. You're not going to always be hugged and embraced when you're telling people to repent and turn from their sins. The world, for the most part, isn't interested in that kind of stuff. So because sometimes we will encounter failure, we're going to think somehow that we're not loved and take it a step further. Even if we fail when we're doing what God supposed, what God called us to do, or even when we fail when we disobey him, that does not change the fact that God still loves us. Consider this. The amount of investment 
that God did to save you and I should connote how much he loves us. Think about the cost of what Jesus did to save the world. Someone who did not have to any sin to take on every sin for every person for all time, even though he was innocent, for you and I. That shows how much he loves us. But not only that, not only did he pay for our sins, he paid for our sins in perpetuity. He continues to pay for our sins because we keep on sinning. And not only that, he loves us in his patience and long-suffering. He does not get frustrated because we don't get it the first time. He does not get frustrated or throw his hands up and say, you know, I give up on Kevin because how many times I got to tell him to live this way? How many times I got to tell him to read his Bible? How many times I got to tell him to pray? How many times I got to tell him to evangelize? He doesn't throw his hands up and forgets us and throws us and throws in the towel when it comes to us. That right there is also a form of his love. So when you consider the fact he died for us while we were sinners and he continues to intercede as the scripture says for us as we continue to sin, that right there shows how much he loves us. Now the issue becomes when sometimes we lean too heavily on the fact that he loves us and think, oh, that gives us a get out of jail free card that doesn't have an expiration date. That we can just do whatever we want because God loves us. Now, honestly, that's a perspective that people in the world tend to have. People in the world tend to believe that God's love covers everything. And it doesn't matter how I live or what I do because I'm a child of God, which is also errant. Everyone's not a child of God. Everyone's a creation of God. Everyone's not a child of God. But because God's love covers everything, it doesn't matter what I do. I can live how I want, do what I want, think what I want, say what I want, and God's love is going to cover me. That's a worldly perspective. But we know that God's love should be honored and respected because we know we don't deserve it. And we know that we're not in a position to demand it. We know it's a gift from God. So as Christians, we need to be reminded of the fact. That regardless of what we face, regardless of how much we fall, no matter how much times our faith even falters, it's not changed the fact that God's love still remains. Let me give you a scripture for this point. Very famous scripture. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. And it says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. And no power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, such a powerful scripture. But the key, if you listen to that, look at how Paul ended that scripture. He said, the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. So again, as Christians, we're going through our Christian crucible, that testing that testing process when it feels like, you know what, you're not effective, when it feels like the world is against you and or you messed up. And you feel that somehow your behavior, your deportment has disqualified you from God. And you feel like, you know what? It's not worth, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. You know, I've messed up for the hundredth time. You've told me a million times to not do this. And I did it again yesterday. You know what? 
God can't possibly love me. God's love is not determined by our behavior. It's determined by his personality. It's determined by his character. The scripture says that God, we can love God because he loved us first. And the scripture also says that God is love. So for God not to love us would be to deny the very character of who he is. So, but in the scripture, it gives it pretty clear that there's nothing on this planet, our own behavior or anything in heaven or above that can separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. And we need to be reminded of that fact, not to think that we can just do what we want, but the fact that God's love covers us even though we did what we did, that we can come back to him. I think of the famous parable of the prodigal son, how he came back to, to, to the son came back to the father and the father then cast him out, even though he disrespected him and wasted his money and lived a horrible existence. The father didn't say, get away from me, you pitiful no excuse for a person. He says, kill the fattest calf. Let's have a party. I'm welcoming my son back with open arms. And whenever we sin, whenever we fall short, whenever we feel like we've fallen out of grace to God, he is always there in that parable example with his arms wide open to welcome us back. Consider this. If God is omniscient, meaning he knows everything, that means he knows exactly how many times we're going to mess up. He knows how many times we're going to fail, how many times we're going to disobey, and when we're going to disobey, and how we're going to do it. But with him knowing all that information, he still said, I'm going to die for your sins. If that doesn't connote love, because no one in, in any other situation would take on that much of a risk. Because if you think about it in a worldly sense, it's not a good deal for God to be with us. <laughs> what is he gaining? He has everything. He has zero need for us. But he put all his cars on the table. He's assuming all the risk. If we were somebody to be insured, no insurance policy would take us on. Because <laughs> we fail all the time. But God says, not only is it a good, good policy, I'm going to put everything I got on. He's willing to risk it all to cover you and I. So if anything, be reminded, family, that God's love, the scripture says God's love, love covers a multitude of sins, but God's love covers the entirety of sinners. And you and I definitely fit that bill. So don't ever forget, Christian, that regardless of what you do, how you do it, and when you do it, God knew you were going to do it. And he loves you anyway. The third thing that Christians, we need to remember is that you have been changed. Now think about that. If you really consider where you are now in your relationship with Christ versus when you started, when you first got saved, when you first received Jesus, I would like to think that you have changed in a lot of ways. Now, of course, you may not have changed externally, but internally, there should, be, there should be some changes that are evident. There should be some changes in your demeanor. There should be some changes in your approach to people. There should be changes in your view of sin, view of things that you used to do. It's impossible, in my opinion, 
to be walking with the Lord for a significant amount of time and not see any change. Does that mean everything's going to change? No, there may be some things that God is still working on you and working to remove from you. It's a process, but there should be some things that immediately are evident. The scripture says that they will know you and I as Christians by the fruit that we bear. So at some point, we should be showing some evident fruit and evidence of change that, you know what, the way I view myself is not the same because the Bible says that we are new creation in Christ anyway. So if nothing else, we look at ourselves differently. And then on top of that, what should be immediate is that we look at God differently because we could have come to God from this perspective of him being some taskmaster, some evil person is willing, willing to strike us down and is just harsh and sticking by the rules. And he realized God's full of mercy. He realized that God's full of grace. He realized that God is a God of love and of patience and long suffering. So now you realize, wow, I thought maybe that God was some cruel, hard person, but now he shows me how much he loves me. He died for me. He lives in me. He continues to be with me. He continues to bless me. He continues to, to move in, in my life in ways that I can't even understand or predict or even deserve. So you and I should be changed just from the fact that once we know who God really is, when we see Jesus Christ as the Savior, as Lord of our lives, our view of life, of course, and our view of him, that should all change. And once he changes our view of him, it should change our view of life in the way we view others. Because now you don't argue with people like you used to. Your, your default thing used to be somebody says something wrong, you're snapping back with profanity. You're ready to fight. But now you have a common demeanor because you realize that you're not fighting against flesh, flesh and blood. You're fighting against evil forces in the heavenly realms that are using this person. So you realize that, hey, there are places I used to go, but now I don't have that desire anymore. There are things I used to do that, you know what? It used to bring me so much pleasure, but now the thought of it repulses me. So these are evident changes that shows that we're Christians. So we have to remember that as Christians, because we are changed, that means we shouldn't always look to fit in. That means that you should be uncomfortable in worldly settings. You should be uncomfortable around certain people. You should be uncomfortable having certain conversations because you have been changed. But not only are you changed in the sense of who God is and how he's blamed, how he's changed you, but you're changed in the sense of your standing with God. Because remember this, when you and I receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, our sin debt has been removed from us. And we are now in a position where we can stand boldly before God when we couldn't even be in his presence before. Think about it. The scripture says that we can come boldly before his throne. Why can we do that? Because now Kevin is no longer Kevin. The righteousness of God has now been imputed to you and I. So we are changed in the sense of now his righteousness his blood carries us. So we, when God sees you and I, he doesn't see sinful Kevin, sinful Joe, sinful Susie. He sees the righteousness of his son. We've changed. And that change is for the better. Here's a scripture for this point. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 
And it says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Look at that scripture. The word become, that connotes change, meaning that before we were not the righteousness of God, we were actually the enemies of God. But again, sometimes in our Christian walk, we lose sight of the fact that in God's eyes, we are, as the scripture says, a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. All things become new, including ourselves. And have you ever thought about the fact that God says you are the righteousness of God? That's humbling. And that's, dare I say, shocking. Because I can only think about Kevin. I don't know. I can't read your mind. I can't go into the caverns of your skull to know all the memories of everything you've ever said and done. I'm sure it's probably nasty, pretty, pretty rough in there because mine is pretty rough, too. (laughs) But when you consider all the stuff we've done and to now be considered not just righteous, the righteousness of God. Think about it. That's a state of being in right standing before the perfect flawless, sinless creator who the scripture says dwells in unapproachable light. That means raggedy Kevin. I can, I'm the righteousness of God. You with all the stuff you said and done, you with all the thing where you treated your brothers and sisters unkind, the way you lied and cheated and stole and lusted and now all that stuff you've done, you're the righteousness of God. Just think about that. The enemy does not want you and I to focus and remember that fact. Because when we remember with the righteousness of God, we seek to live righteously. We don't settle for less than what the Lord says because we realize how unrighteous we really are and how he's made us righteous. When you talk about changing, when you talk about transforming, that's the ultimate form of of transforming, of, of being made new in his likeness. Talk about being in his likeness. That's a telltale sign that we're in his likeness because we can stand before him. I mean, we got to remember that family. When we're going through life and we're having these rough times, we got to remind ourselves, which is why it's incumbent. I said this in many episodes. We got to stay in the scriptures, family. We got to stay in this word so when you and I have amnesia, we can have the Holy Spirit use his word to remind us, wait a minute, I'm not a failure. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm not stupid. I'm gifted. I'm not forgotten. God has not forgotten me. I am loved. So we need to make sure we stay in this word. It's not just an academic exercise. It's a spiritual exercise to energize us so we can be reminded of the God that we serve, what he's promised us, what he said about who we are. I myself, even as I'm talking to you guys right now, doing this episode, I'm just blown away by that scripture. That God himself says we are the righteousness of God. Can you imagine that? Just God transforming us from the inside out, wiping the slate clean. Again, when I think of cliche coming, (laughs) the goodness of the Lord and all he's done for me and I didn't deserve it. And not only think about that, it's one thing for God to forgive you. And it goes back to the prodigal son. 
but to affirm you in a place of honor. Because to be considered righteous, family, is a place of honor. That's a place of glory that we don't deserve, that we have no business being there. We have no business being in God's presence. We have no business even being able to say God's name by our own accounts. But not only does God give us his righteousness, he has a relationship with us. And I don't know about you guys, but when I think about that, everything else in my life, no, nothing else matters. No worries, no cares, no thoughts, no frustrations, because God himself says that I'm the righteousness of God. So as a Christian, be reminded that God loves you enough to change you, that you are changed. I'm going to say this and let me go to the last point because I'll be here for another hour <laughs> just at this point. It's so amazing. But that's something that people who are on the outside who don't know Christ, they have not experienced this. They don't know the, the, the reclamation project that God has with us. They don't know how he's the master builder, the master restorer, how he does these things for his glory and to show how much he loves us. We need to be reminded, not just for ourselves, but tell other people that, yes, God does love you, but he's not expect you to say, stay the same way you were. The Bible, as well as Christians, are used to be change agents. And that's something we need to communicate to the people who are not Christian. Yes, God loves you as you are, but he loves you enough to make sure you don't stay how you are. Because staying how we were, we can't be in his presence. God loves us too much to let us stay the same, which means we're staying outside his presence. So be reminded, family, that you and I, again, have been changed. And change is good. And the last thing that Christians need to be to remember, and this is this is a great one. Christians need to realize that you have already won. Wow. I mean, can I just end the episode now? <laughs> I don't know how. And again, this when I do these episodes, just let you guys behind the curtain. There's not a whole lot of just things I have scripted. The Holy Spirit just comes to me. And as I'm giving these things to you guys, I'm ministering to myself. You might be able to tell in this episode, I'm just filled with joy, just sharing this. The fact that we have won and we didn't even have to fight. Think about that. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus did it all for us. And as Christians, sometimes we lose sight of that because we're in a fight in the sense of fighting against our flesh fighting against the enemy, fighting against the world, fighting against our own shortcomings. So we are always constantly about the Bible says in this life you have tribulation. The Bible says to put on a full armor. So that means a fight is, is assumed. But we forget that in the middle of the fight, that it's a fixed fight. Think about that. It's a fixed fight. You know what that's like? That's like, let's say you and I were boxers. You're a boxer and you're getting in the ring against the enemy. The enemy is way bigger, way stronger, way faster, and he has more stamina, and he knows all of your moves better than you do. You get in that ring, and you're like, there's no way I can win this fight. This guy's, I'm, I'm six feet tall, he's 12 feet tall. 
you know, you're 150 pounds, he's 300 pounds. You know, whatever it is, whatever strength you have, double, triple it. Plus, he has the intellect and knowing your moves, your defense, everything. So now you got to get in there and fight this guy. You might say, man, why am I even bothering? <laughs> I'm going here. I'm just looking to get demolished. But this is why God is so awesome and why we've already won. We get in that ring. The judge is Jesus because he's the one that's going to determine who wins. The referee is God. He sets the pace of who gets to do what, what's legal and what's allowed. The corner man, to give us water and patches up, Holy Spirit. Think about that. When we get into this fight, we got the best corner man to keep us ready to fight. We have the referee to make sure the fight doesn't get out of hand. And even if we are getting killed, the judge, Jesus, just says, nope. He still won because it's a fixed fight. Because the rules are already in place for us to win. The only thing we have to do is get in the ring and keep fighting. We are not fighting for a victory. We're fighting from a place of victory. He's already done it. One last scripture and we'll close out for this week. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 56 and 57. It says, for sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. Verse 57. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. So when you and I are going through what we're going through, the enemy's trying to make you feel like you're worthless. People act like they don't want to hear. You're frustrated because you feel like you're not effective. Don't get frustrated. Be encouraged. It says, okay, I've lost this round, but all I got to do is make it to the 15th round because I already won the fight. The purse is already assured. I'm, my hand is going to be raising victory because it's a perfect setup for me to win. My job is just to stay in the fight. And think about this. How many times have you maybe seen a fight, a boxing match or something, and the person who won you were encouraged by like, man, that person shows some, some, some guts and some savvy, man. I'm encouraged. Now, I, I believe I can do it too. There are people who are outside that ring watching us in the fight. And they're going to be encouraged because we keep getting up. We keep answering the bell. We keep giving the enemy all we got. We keep doing what we can. We keep seeing the Holy Spirit Give us encouragement. They see the referee making sure we're okay. And they're, wow, they're really in this fight. They're really showing some grit and some passion. And that can motivate them to say, guess what? I can fight too. I can do this too. And sometimes that's what we need. We need to be reminded when we see somebody else's hand being raised in victory and they're on the same team. Wait a minute. We're on the same team. If he's winning, I'm winning. Matter of fact, we already won. So why am I worried about what this person said? Why am I worried about tomorrow? Why am I worried about my finances? Why am I worried about this situation? I have already won. So as Christians, we need to be reminded that we are on the winning side. The moment you and I gave our life to Christ, we already won. 
And we need to remember that fact when all the things seem like they're against us. When we seem like we're frustrated, when we seem worried, we think about the fact that all I have to do is make it to the end of this fight and my hand will be raised in victory. Again, victory is assured because Jesus already did it. So as we wrap up for this week's episode, a little point of reiteration, four things that Christians need to remember. We need to remember that you are gifted, you are loved, you have been changed, and you have already won. I hope this episode, again, is something that even if it's something that you feel like, well, Kevin, that was good, but I already knew that stuff. Hold on to this episode. Keep it in your archives because the enemy does it to all of us. The Bible says in Isaiah that even youths grow weary and the strong can grow faint. But he says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So even in Isaiah passage, God knows at times we need to have our strength renewed. We renew our strength by being reminded of who the person is that gives us our strength. So even if this is something that seems remedial to you, hold on to this because I guarantee you at some point, you're going to need to be reminded of who God said you are and what he promised you because you're his child. Don't let the world's view of things taint you. Don't let fatigue set in to let you forget that you and I serve a mighty God. And our mighty God has given us some mighty good things. The only thing we need to do is remember what those are and keep them in the forefront of our lives. We have the victory because of what he's done. We have life because of what he's given us. And we can continue to fight because he's in the fight with us. Don't forget who you are and remember who is. Thank you very much for watching and listening. I pray this episode blessed you. And as always, this year light shines brightest for the Lord Jesus Christ beyond the benediction. Until next time.